following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. So today's sermon, the title of it is called Keep It Clean. And the, the word clean or cleansing is used multiple times in today's passage. And as I thought about the word clean, I was almost unaware of the complexity of what it means for us, especially in the English language. So if we're going to say that we're going to clean something, Right. If I said I'm going to go clean something, what what would that stir up in your mind? What what would you think? Maybe soap, soap water, maybe some sort of chemical that kills bacteria, viruses. Right. Especially with with what we're going through right now. Um, how many of you guys are thankful to have soap and water? <laughs> especially living in Florida, right? When you go outside in the morning and you immediately start sweating in the summer. Um, any, any of you guys ever lived up north or out west? Can, can you go a whole day and then at the end of the day just not feel dirty at all? Because of the, the humidity's low or, you know, the, the sun's not, not beating on you. But, you know, he, here in Florida, you walk outside and immediately you're like, where's, where's the shower? But, so, let's think of some other ways that we can talk about clean, right? How does this apply to cleaning a room do you clean a room with soap water and chemicals is that all that it means i mean you can right you can use soap water and chemicals but what else what else is involved in cleaning a room decluttering so there's more to it there's there's the idea that things have been maybe moved out of place there's a there's a spot they're supposed to go so cleaning a room involves the idea of orderliness, right? There's an order to things that we have to consider. And think about a restaurant. If you were to go into a restaurant and you walk in and you see the tables all out of order, um, there's just a general lack of um, order to everything, you know, you might think twice before sitting down and eating a meal because if the, if the dining room's all out of order, you know, what's, what's the kitchen going to like? Um, What's another concept of clean? What about telling a clean joke? What, what does this mean? What does clean refer to when we talk about a clean joke? Yeah, profanity. So this refers to upholding a standard of morality or a value of purity. So the connection of cleanliness and purity can also be seen in chemical compounds. The purity of a substance is determined by the amount of impurities it has. The less impurities, the cleaner it is. I've also heard the word clean used in reference to the design of certain objects. If something is elegant in its simplicity, it's considered clean. Have you guys ever heard that before? That somebody might say, man, that car looks clean or that, that building is, was designed clean. So there's, there's an element of that. How about a clean fight, right? In, in boxing, when, when they go up to, to meet gloves, the ref might say, let's have a clean fight, right? What, what does that mean? What is clean referring to here? 
Yeah, it, it, they require the opponents to stay within the regulations and act according to the rules. Right, so cleanliness refers to that. So there's one more idea of cleanliness or clean that we're going to talk about before we get into the passage. And this is um, to be free from disease or illness. So to be diseased or ill usually invokes in people a feeling that they need to separate themselves from that person, that they might not also get the disease, especially if they feel it's contagious. In some cases, when a person has a disease, they're not able to enter areas where others are clean or free of that disease or illness. And many are dealing with this in our current context, and we're going to see this as it shows up in today's passage. So um, today's passage is Luke 5, 12 through 16, and we're going to read through that together. While he, speaking in Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one but Go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So we have um, not, not a long passage here, but, but there's a lot in it. Before we dig into the, the meat of the passage itself, I'd like to talk about some of the chronology and the context of it. So the, the parallel passages that I'm going to draw from for this are Matthew 8, 1 through 4. And interestingly, um, in Matthew, it shows up directly after the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount ends at the end of chapter 7, and so directly it goes into... Um, this passage and then also mark 1 40 through 45 which occurs after jesus heals peter's mother-in-law so matthew's gospel is the only account that affixes a time frame to this event however the gospel of mark is generally considered to have a greater chron chronological framework but regardless all the accounts occur in Galilee and around the Sea of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on here in this area of Galilee. So the Sea of Galilee is the largest freshwater body in the area. It's about 60 miles north of Jerusalem. And from it, the Jordan River continues its course to the Dead Sea. It has a semi-tropical climate, and it's fed from the freshwater runoff of the snow-top Mount Hermon and Mount Lebanon. These, this runoff contains a lot of minerals and nutrients that go down into the sea. And the area also boasts sulfur hot springs in the city of Tiberias, which are still present to this day. 
all of this make the area a popular health resort. Some consider this one of the reasons why Jesus made this area as his home base for ministry. Many people came to this area looking for healing or for cleansing because of its, its health benefits. So with this in mind, let's, let's move into the passage. So we're going to look at the first two verses, um, Luke 5, 12 through 13. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So I've, I've drawn four points out of these two verses. Um, the first one comes from the parallel passage. This is Matthew 8, 1 through 2. It reads, When he came down from the mountain, where he was giving the, the Sermon on the Mount, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So in, in Matthew's account, Jesus had just given the Sermon on the Mount, which many believe to have occurred on the slopes around Capernaum, which is on the, the north side of the Sea of Galilee. That's where the, the mountains were that, that came down. And the crowds followed him and were astonished at his teachings because he taught with such authority. The second point was that we're told that the man was full of leprosy. Leprosy was used to refer to a variety of skin diseases, and he was apparently covered in it. It was not just one small lesion. It, he was full of leprosy. So we're going to have to go back to Leviticus 13 and 14. They deal with a lot of what it means to be leprous. So uh, I'm not going to read both of these chapters to you. I would suggest you go back and look through it, but I'm going to pull out some of the highlights for you. So from Leviticus 13, we get an idea of exactly what leprosy is. It refers to any skin eruption where the hair in the diseased area turns white or where the eruption spreads in size or area and does not heal on its own. It also refers to any white swollen area where there is raw flesh and it does not heal on its own. So in these cases, the person would present themselves to the priest who would examine it and determine whether the person was clean or unclean. If they are determined clean, then they can return to normal life as long as the skin condition doesn't return. However, if determined unclean, Leviticus 13, 45 through 46 states, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the head of his hair hang loose. And he'll, he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So the third point. The leprous man saw Jesus, fell before him, and begged him. 
the popularity and recognition of Jesus was, was growing. And it implies that the man had heard of him and knew who he was, either by witnessing him speak or through a physical description of others. And the leprous man believed that Jesus had the power to heal from the other reports circulating in the area. Also, the leprous man was acting in defiance of the law to approach Jesus, who is clean, in a personal way. If someone was unclean, they were not supposed to come into proximity of those who were clean. However, declaring Jesus as Lord shows the leper's motivation to seek that which he could not get from the priests. So there was something that Jesus had that he couldn't get anywhere else. What was the leprous man referring to when he said, you can make me clean? As discussed at the beginning, we know that this word has a complex meaning. Given the description in Leviticus 13, it seems to refer to some sort of physical healing or physical description. The word used for clean in verse 12 also has a meaning of ritual suitability before God. This is seen in the ability to return to normal life in community with others and being able to enter the temple. So if they were unclean, they had to stay outside the camp. So in order to come back inside the camp with the community and be able to enter the temple to give sacrifices, they would have to be determined clean. In the fourth point, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the man and expressed his will and the outcome. Mark 1.41 adds that Jesus was moved with pity for the man. What does this mean? It means that the body is important. Jesus wants our bodies with our mind and our souls. He wants us to submit everything to him. The word used by Jesus for clean is the same word used by the leprous man. But we know that his word has more power. How many of us today use words that mean more than they did when we first used them? Anybody in here? Has your, have you grown in your understanding of how words are used and what they mean? So Jesus' divine act was to will cleanness. And his physical act was to stretch out his hand and touch the man. We see that the leprosy immediately left him. Jesus acted as the high priest to declare the leprous man clean, while also not defiling himself by touching the man. Jesus is the epitome of cleanness. Yet as Isaiah prophesied, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one who from men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. That was Isaiah 53, 3 through 4. So let's, let's move to the last three verses. This is uh, Luke five fourteen through 16. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So I have three points from these last three verses. First, and, and this one was especially interesting for me as I dug through the, the text and the, the different commentaries. It says, Jesus charged the man to tell no one. So Mark one forty five adds to this. It says, but he, meaning the leprous man, went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But he was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So the report about Jesus went abroad in response to the blatant disregard for Jesus' order. Great crowds gathered, but Jesus could no longer enter a town and had to stay in the desolate places. In some ways, Jesus was forced to live like he was unclean because of the actions of others. So the, the desolate places were uninhabitable. He was forced to live there. The leprous man's defiance of Jesus' command brought more people to him and increased his popularity. But was the man just in doing so? Was the man right in defying Jesus' order to tell no one? You can understand his excitement of being healed of his leprosy. Right? You, he would want to tell everyone. But Jesus himself, in the flesh, told him, tell no one. Obviously, there was, he, he wanted him to show himself to the priest and give the sacrifice. So maybe after that. But there was an order. We can see how the man's disobedience brought more people to Jesus. But should we say that it is our sin that makes grace abound? Paul says in Romans, by no means. God's will is not accomplished because of man's sin. God's will is accomplished in spite of mankind's disobedience. Amen? Even though the man received physical cleanness, he disobeyed Jesus. Did he demonstrate true cleanness? Jesus told the man, this is my second point, Jesus told the man to go show himself to the priest and make an offering. Jesus understood the role that the local priest had in upholding the law of Moses and the requirements of the law. He likewise told the man to submit himself 
by presenting himself to the local priest as described in Leviticus 13 and then go to Jerusalem and make the appropriate offering as described in Leviticus 14. Now, as we discussed, this area was about roughly 60 miles away from Jerusalem, so this would not have been an easy trip. And being a leprous man, he was probably outside the camp. He, he might not have had much. He might not have had anything. So at bare minimum, he would have had to take some time to get the required objects for a sacrifice. Now, in, in fulfilling this, going to the priest and to the temple, the man would be reconciled to the community. And I see this as a beautiful picture of how Jesus reconciled us to the Father by taking the full measure of the wrath of God under the law in his life, death, resurrection, ascension, and his soon come. So in Numbers 12, we get the first glimpse of a connection between leprosy and sin. I'm not going to read the entire chapter for you, but I'm going to I'm going to read some of the some of the verses. So Moses could not make his sister Miriam clean after she was struck with leprosy for speaking against him. So this is Numbers 12. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. It says Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married, Moses had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not also spoken through us? And the Lord heard it. So in verse 5, it says, And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. When the cloud removed over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And then in verse 13, we pick up. And Moses cried out to the Lord, O God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that she may be brought back in. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out on the march until Miriam was brought in again. So Miriam was set outside the camp because she spoke against Moses and was made unclean. And the Lord restored her after seven, seven days. The separation for those who speak against Jesus will not be just for seven days. So in the last part, the, the last point of this, Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And I spoke about this a couple weeks ago when it showed up in the text. 
And I mentioned it almost merely in physical terms, a physical desolate place. But in reading this passage, I understand it a little bit more in depth about how each of us have desolate places in our lives. Not just physical places. These could be emotional. These could be intellectual places. Where we've cast Jesus out of. We must seek Jesus in all aspects of this life because it's been given to us from God. He desires to be in every area of our life. So I have have two applications for you this morning. And I believe this first one is appropriate as it's a, a communion Sunday. Sin that's deeper than the skin. So we, we got a picture of the, the connection between leprosy and sin, and we're going to highlight that a little bit more. The wickedness of Judah is described in Isaiah's vision. So this is Isaiah 1, 4 through 6. It reads, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly they have forsaken the Lord they have despised the Holy One of Israel they are utterly estranged why will you not be struck down why will you continue to rebel the whole head is sick and the whole heart faint from the sole of the foot even to the head there is no soundness in it but bruises and sores and raw wounds They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Sounds like leprosy to me. And here we see that at this time, Judah was full of spiritual leprosy. It says from the sole of the foot even to the head. Bruises, sores, and raw wounds. The Lord also spoke through the prophet Jeremiah about the impending disaster on Jerusalem. So this is Jeremiah 6, 13 through 14. It says, For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace when there is no peace. Sin that goes deep, like the wounds of leprosy, cannot be healed by surface measures or treated lightly. From reading the prophets, we can see that in Leviticus 13 through 14, there's more involved than just public health. When sin goes deeper than the skin, like leprosy, it spreads and defiles and the community must be protected from it. The priests were, were in charge of recognizing this and handling it appropriately. In his letter to the dispersion, Peter refers to the body of Christ as the royal priesthood. And in John chapter 16, Jesus tells us that it's better that he goes so that he can send the, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, who will come to convict the world in terms of sin 
and righteousness and judgment. Here's the good news, second point. Jesus can and will cleanse us. From Leviticus 13 through 14, we read that the garments of those found to be leprous were only fit for the fire. So I ask you this morning, will you take off your robes of leprosy and put on the robe of righteousness found in Christ Jesus? Jesus was the only one who could cure the man from his leprosy. And it's of life and death importance for us and for those who are lost to trust Jesus daily to cleanse them of their spiritual leprosy. He is not just willing to make you clean. He is able to do it. And without this cleansing, we are separated from community with God. It's Marty and the band comes up. So what happens after we we receive spiritual cleansing from God through Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. What should we do? We should honor him by submitting humbly our whole person. Even in the little things. Live like you mean it. Make an effort to keep your heart, mind, and bodies clean. When you see an area of weakness, confess and repent. Find someone to help hold you accountable. As you guys know, we need each other desperately. We can't do this alone. So with these words, let us love one another. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.